0: keep away from Lee honestly darling he tells you one thing and then behind your back he tells housemates other things and when he's in the diary room
1: he says that you get on his tits and you won't leave him alone he's mugged you off darling Watching television. Hello, 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 and welcome to a very special episode, a podcast where I get to curl up on the sofa and talk TV with some of my favourite people. Uh, As you'll hear in a moment, my very special guest this episode is Sean Kitchener, who has chosen an episode of Desperate Housewives, episode seven of series three of Desperate Housewives, which is called Bang, which I was able to watch over on Amazon Prime. Again, giving Jeff Bezos, I'm sure, some much-needed Cash. I had a really good time watching this with Sean and a really great chat uh, and and you'll hear that in a moment but I thought it might be nice to use this little space at the start of the podcast to share some of the things that I'm watching at the minute um, and, and that uh, this week includes Midnight Mass which is the new Mike Flanagan series on Netflix. Uh, a new kind of uh, horror series from Mike Flanagan who wrote and Directed or kind of show show ran um, the haunting of Hill House and the haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, Midnight Mass, I would say, is a little bit of a of a slower burn than those previous shows, and and dealing with some slightly different themes, although it's still in that sort of horror space. Um, this time dealing a little bit more with supernatural horror rather than ghosts and hauntings. Like like I said, it's a real slow burn, but definitely worth a watch. And things really, really kick off in this show. It's a show that loves a monologue. It loves to have somebody sitting on the sofa talking about something for a long, long time. But in the last two episodes, that kind of really uh, comes to a head and and it sort of goes slightly bonkers and to a really interesting uh place it's a, a show that rewards patience and delayed gratification i would say but i really really enjoyed it some great performances as well from from the sort of stable of mike flanagan uh the stable that mike flanagan is sort of putting together of of incredible horror actors this one as well has uh, has a lot more jump scares and stuff uh compared to previous previous series so if that's something that is going to put you off then i would definitely Uh, not watch it. Um, So yeah, go and check that out over on Netflix. I'm sure they really need the advertising from me here in the the first two or three minutes of my podcast. But without further ado, here is Sean Kitchener. My very special guest this week is Sean Kitchener. Sean is a BAFTA Rutcliffe winning, double Offie nominated stage and screenwriter who's penned over 30 episodes of Hollyoaks over the last four years. His play All That was the queer season headliner at the Kingshead Theatre in 2021 and his debut, Positive, was produced at the Park Theatre in 2015 to critical acclaim. He is also a journalist and writes fortnightly pop culture columns for the Metro, including a lovely one recently about Sarah Harding. And during the pandemic, he ran the incredible breakfast show, Electric Angels. Hello, Sean. Hi, that was a lovely Hi. little spiel. Love that, love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to listen to uh, what you've done and sort of have it repeated back to you in a 30 second sound. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank I wanted you. to kind of kick us off by saying congratulations on your recent Uh, wedding. Oh that old thing yes Yes. Um, I feel like um, a a real who's who of gay Twitter in attendance, I feel like I saw that Saw that wedding from every angle on uh, Instagram stories over the course of a couple of days. But congratulations. How's it feeling to be a a married man? Everyone's like, oh, it feels so different afterwards.
0: It doesn't really.
1: (laughs) I think because we were
0: together for like 10, over 10 years beforehand. So... You know, it's not like we got married and then suddenly he's like, oh, by the way, I've got this trait you didn't know about. Um, but it, it, it's, it's really nice. Like the ring, I, you know, I am enjoying looking at my finger and being like, oh, look, a ring. Um, oh. But yeah, it's mainly just been like absolute like whiplash. Like it's just such an intense lead up for one day and then the day's just done and you're like, oh, what happened? Um, but <laughs> it was it was great. Thank you.
1: <laughs> oh, and and thank you so much for chatting to me today. I'm gonna I'm gonna take us back to when you were younger and uh, ask you what sort of TV did you watch when you were younger?
0: Um I was really into we were in Nickelodeon House, I think, which I, when I say sometimes people are like, Oh, that's fancy. Uh um, that it's very fancy. We only <laughs> had
1: poor people's TV when I was up, so.
0: I can't remember like I just remember watching like you know, like all you like your Sabrina, the teenage witches, your was Sister Sister a Nickelodeon or, or one a, a, a similar with MTV, perhaps a, a channel? It feels one? like it. Was Sister Sister was
1: a but... very much a Channel 4 thing. For right. Me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That
0: like ilk of like American teen show I remember like really being into. And then as I got a bit older and sort of be- went, into my, went into my teenage years, it was um, I just loved all the like, comedy drama stuff like I remember At Home with the Braithwaites was the first like grown up show I remember oh, really loving wow. that Sally Wainwright with um Amanda Redman and they like they win the lottery and Chaos ensues. Um <laughs> that was great. And um to a lesser extent, but I keep remembering this show Monica of the Glen that was on BBC One in like the late nineties, early two thousand I don't I don't know why that sticks out. I think it might be because we watched it as maybe it was one that we all watched as a family or something. I can't remember. And my mum was really into ER, so I remember ER being on quite a lot and just yeah, just sort of like I guess I was never really into like the big sort of um, fantasy sort of realm. It was it was all sort of like I, I say grounded, heightened, but sort of real, <laughs> realistic-ish um, comedy drama stuff. I think, which has basically continued through the years <laughs> to be my like big interest. But those are the ones I remember from early early doors. So,
1: what sort of stuff do you watch now? What are your your go to genres? Um, kind of the same, I guess. <laughs> Although. Um, <laughs> I don't know we're a very big like it depends as a we're we're
0: a very big Simpsons house that's kind of like an evergreen like okay. just you can just stick that on and off you go I do still kind of really gravitate towards the sort of the, the heart and humor with a good bit of plot on the side tends to be where I like to where I where I sit um like for example um what's been on recently that I've really liked I did you watch Never Have I Ever on Netflix that teen show that Mindy Kaling wrote no
1: but people keep re- recommending that to me I love Mindy yeah. Kaling but the algorithm has not presented that <laughs> to me I feel like the the Netflix thing is so much based on yeah, yeah, what yeah. is on my front page at any given time which is just various like variations of drag race yeah, most yeah. Times.
0: <laughs> but yeah that kind of thing I guess and, and also since writing for a soap I've really got into like stuff with just a big plot like just Mm. give me the twists give me the big omg moments like i haven't watched line of duty yet but um vigil that one that's on now on bbc one i've been watching and um what else i can't even think of any now but like you know i've I've really got into like you know just give me a big twist and i'm like oh my god um So, yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, all sorts is the short answer to
1: the question. <laughs> good, good. That's a, a, yeah, a nice bit of variation. <laughs> what's, your, what's your kind of, I guess you've said The Simpsons already. Do you still watch The Simpsons? Are you a uh, a Simpsons fan or a, a nostalgic Simpsons fan?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... I don't know, we're all over the place. Really good. Since they came off um they came on Disney Plus, I think about a year and a half ago, it's been mm. my husband puts them on um oh I think that's the first time I've said it without having to correct myself. Husband. and oh. keeps wearing <laughs> uh keeps um, like watches it like religiously You watch it like three or four times a day for like comfort. Not three or four times a day, like once or twice for like <laughs> comfort. And I tend to stick to the earlier years, but he's run the run the whole course from like <laughs> season one to season thirty-one. Um oh, wow. so I do feel like I've consumed a lot of Simpsons in my in my time um but yeah I, I gravitate towards the earlier stuff but um yeah I think he's still watching I think he's still watching the new ones they're, not, they're all right they're all right uh, I mean somebody's got to
1: somebody's yeah. got to it's a big like
0: going. the the uh, when seasons like early 20s the early 20 seasons that was a real dark patch remember I was watching those in <laughs> lockdown and I was like my god but I think it's, it's actually swung around a little bit more in the last few years I think it's not it's, it's I mean it's never going to be like glory days good again no but it is it does feel like you know, in twenty twenty, whatever year they were made, um, they do still feel like you know. It feels like it. Uh, yeah, it, feel, it feels it feels it feels alright. <laughs> They're okay. What are the What are the other shows that you find yourself going back to? Going back to, um, I did go back to Brothers and Sisters not too long ago. Actually, I don't know if you ever saw oh, that. Yeah, Callista like, Flockhart, that's the one. Thing. Sally Field, just loving life. Um, it's just lots of like really rich white people just having very minor problems <laughs> um and little bits of dollar but I just like I, I don't know what I just found it quite um I guess it's like a comfort watch I guess because I used to watch it quite a lot back in the day and I never saw it till the very end until hmm. very recently like I never made it to the end of season five until quite recently so I went back recently to finish that I don't know if I do go back and watch shows that much actually you know
1: oh that's interesting that's an interesting yeah I feel like a lot of people who've been on here who I've talked to already are serial rewatchers yeah of very specific shows but mm. I feel like rich white people with sort of very minor problems was a very specific genre for a while and I think <laughs> your, uh, the special episode which we'll talk about later maybe inhabits that oh yes uh, oh yes, yes definitely <laughs> um, just a very early 2000s vibe <laughs> what's something that's like outside of your wheelhouse um, or something that people wouldn't expect you to watch that you really love I don't know actually I
0: think I don't know I feel like it depends to you ask amongst people I know because I think I don't really think of myself as a big reality TV watcher apart from you know drag race I got really into the circle this year um but apart from that I don't watch much reality TV and I resisted Mm -hmm. the Real Housewives train for so long but literally a week and a half or so ago I started watching a Real Housewives series and I'm just so in I'm so in I'm so
1: in. Which um, one are you watching? I'm on
0: Salt Lake City because I saw the clip on Twitter of the first bit of season two. and I've
1: heard such good things yeah. about
0: Salt Lake City. <laughs> Basically, season two, I think between seasons one and two, I might be wrong here. Any diehard fans of the franchise might be like, that's not correct. But from what my understanding is between season one and two, one of them had some like big legal troubles, like as in was arrested. But then it turns out that there was actually a camera crew there for some of when that happened. So the oh beginning of season two is like everyone being like, is, is her basically doing a run? And everyone like, where's she going? And then an hour later, it's like, Jen's been arrested. And you're like, what the hell? So I then went back and watched season one. And it's just so, it's so messy and so chaotic, but also I just, I
1: just, I'm so in. I'm so I'm absolutely sold. I really want to yeah. go and watch it now. That's going to be what I watched tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I took
1: out a Haley
0: subscription and everything. I've financially
1: <laughs> got skin in the game.
0: Have you seen any of the Real Housewives this is this is?
1: I have only ever watched, um, it, it feels like one of those things that people would expect me to watch, yeah. but the only one I've ever watched is Real Housewives of Melbourne. Oh, right, right, right. Um, which is so specifically tailored to my interests. Great. Um one of them basically one of them is a psychic, and in episode one of series one, I think it's like, um somebody's husband is cheating on her, and like the whole first half of the season is based around like whose husband is cheating on her, oh my God, because a psychic has told them it's brilliant and bonkers, and then the second half of series one is based around whether. Whether or not Gina called somebody a cunt, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> she called you the seaweed. <laughs> so, oh my god! Sorry, an awful
0: Australian accent. there. Right?
1: <laughs> All right.
0: I mean, I, you know, I'm probably not. The, I'm probably not the best. <laughs> but oh no, that sounds great. I did hear that, like the thing with the draw with Salt Lake City. That a few actual real housewives sort of stands have told me is that that's the one where the problems are genuinely like mighty. Like in some of the other franchises, it's like. You both wore the same dress to the party, but in this one it's like... Oh, I can't think of any examples now, but the stake, you know, everyone's <laughs> genuinely like ah! like all the time. Think, and it's I think yeah. going to prison is quite a big That's story. quite a, that's quite a big one, isn't it? That's quite that's not that's not a tiny yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 great. And I even caught myself the other night, I like YouTube, one of the housewives particular who I quite liked. And she was on Trixie Mattel's YouTube channel the other day, so I just spent oh, 15 wow. minutes watching that. Um and I've just I've just lost a lot of my this is why I spent so long resisting it because I knew this would happen. I'm just can feel my life flaking
1: away to real health. That's nice. Yes, so, there's yeah. so much of it to go back and so watch. much, like sort of. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like you have to be dedicated to that franchise, <laughs> yeah. um, and I just don't know if I've got the hours to put in. To no, I'm speaking. not. I don't think I can start another one after Salt Lake City. I think <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not safe. Um, what's an iconic TV moment you go back to again and again? Ooh. I feel like there's probably a few drag race moments, I guess, isn't
0: there? Like, um, mm. uh, like specific lip syncs, perhaps. I tell you what, I was thinking of actually is, did you watch the Celebrity Big Brother with Lee Ryan in a few years ago? And I there's, did. There's that moment because he had that big thing where there was his um, one was Casey Batchelor. I can't remember who the other person was. Was it Jasmine? So, uh, long story short, he was basically in the middle of this love triangle, and then they had this challenge where like the clock would stop, and they would all have to free. There was a clock in the living room. Whenever that chimed or stopped or something they all had to freeze and then someone from the, an outside the outside world would come in and talk to them but they couldn't move they had to stay frozen and oh, there was wow. one moment where Casey Bachelors' mum came in and went and sat next to Casey and obviously none of them could react and Lee is in the kitchen none of them are allowed to move and she's like he is mugging you off darling he oh. goes into the diary room <laughs> he tells you one thing then he goes into the diary room and says you're getting on his tits and it's so good because <laughs> I remember as an audience member you're like he's been busted go Casey's mom and I will never get tired of watching that scene because she's she's just she comes in in a nice coat and a nice hair she had her hair done and she's like he is mugging you off my or something like that and it's <laughs> it's just so good that's that I could watch that I I would like that I'd like it on record that I like that played at my funeral I just like to put it oh, wow. um, it's just
1: great there's so much from Celebrity Big Brother I think that is in that space that's like I think Big Brother was such a good show for a long time. Yeah. And I did I do genuinely think that it was good because it was just a bunch of people in a house. Oh, yeah, definitely. But once you get to celebrity Big Brother, and there's like fucking talking trees in the garden, <laughs> and like enchanted chest of drawers in the bathroom <laughs> and things, and like, and it's just pure. Chaotic reality TV drama, but you'll never, they'll never beat David's Dead. The, the oh. David Guest, um, Angie Bowie being told that David Bowie yeah. is, uh, has died, and New York, uh, Tiffany New York Pollard yeah. thinking she meant David Guest, yeah, a housemate at the time, Stop. just. Shakespearean. I would like...
0: You know, there's um, is it Jack Thorne who writes all these dramas about, like, real real Mm -hmm. events? Or I would like him to do one about the control room or the gallery (laughs) when that was happening. Him or... um, What's his name? James Graham, who wrote Quiz. Basically, I need one of these writers who's really good at doing, like, really, like, current, like, uh, you know, important (laughs) political moments to write one about what was happening backstage while that was happening. Because I just... Would love to, I would love to see it. <laughs> it was just yes. so good, wasn't it? Like, it's you couldn't write it, it was so you good. couldn't. Oh, and um, that moment where Daniela Westbrook, someone actually says out loud, No, David Bowie, and Daniela Westbrook goes,
1: Oh, <laughs> it's like, Oh, <laughs> oh dear, oh no. Oh, see what's oh. up Nick. <laughs> it's so good. So you say that you're you don't uh, consider yourself a reality TV. <laughs> and person. here we uh, are. Definitely. Um, from your social media presence anyway, I think if you are somebody who appreciates a good reality TV moment. Oh, 100 percent What are you watching right now? <laughs> what's my poison? Um I tell you what we've actually just started watching for the first
0: time is Golden Girls. Never seen it all the way i've seen the odd moment but i've never actually seen it and it's since it came on disney plus i think a few months ago yes have um, been going back through that we're still i think we've just finished season one so we're not that far along but i'd never properly seen it before and it's just it feels like oh, oh, there are there are the odd episode that you're like oh this hasn't aged well but generally speaking compared to a lot of comedies from like not anywhere near as long ago i feel like it's aged quite well generally um yes i would agree i would agree it's, it's 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 very funny and i do i love all of them dearly yeah. which one are you see i like to think in my head i'm quite dorothy but then i don't know if i present dorothy do you know what i mean like i feel like mm. <laughs> quite like um <laughs> i don't know i feel like it, i feel like in, in like public settings i'm probably a bit too boring to be any of them <laughs> I think oh, them no. like, <laughs> the I lady
1: think like, who watches at home yeah 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 definitely um so I don't know. What about you? I'm d- I'm definitely a Dorothy. Yeah, like, yeah. Mean old sucker. He's <laughs> actually quite sweet on the inside. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I love that show. I feel like we didn't. I don't know if we got um, Golden Girls in the UK. In any in any great way, because I feel like a lot of people rediscover that show mm-hmm. after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been nice to see people get into it now that it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. The original Disney Princesses. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, is there anything else that you're watching at the minute that you? Um,
0: could... What have I? What am I watching? I was working my way through The West Wing actually, but I've just taken a, a brief hiatus because there's a lot of episodes in the season. I was yes. like, I need to, I need to just step away for a little bit. Um, what am I on at the minute? I've started that. What's that one on? Again, Disney Plus, I'm not being paid. Um, with um Selena Gomez and Steve Martin and Martin Church. Is it what only murders in the building? Only
1: murders in the building, um, which I've not seen I not seen any of that and I don't know anything about it other than that gay people on Twitter are watching it yeah so.
0: yeah yeah it hasn't properly like hooked me yet but I'm only a couple of episodes in and it's basically it's these three basically lonely New Yorkers who live in the same apartment block and mm. they're all obsessed with real life murder podcasts and then a murder happens in their building and they're like oh my god um so they basically <sighs> set about trying to solve it themselves for a podcast but um minor spoiler we learn at the end of the first episode slash beginning of the second episode that one of the characters secretly actually knows the dead person and so might know more than they're letting on. Um, so it's got all the makings of something I like. And I do I do like it so far. It hasn't fully like, you know, oh my God, this is amazing
1: to me yet. But I, I am enjoying it thus far. That it's sounds good. pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I feel like people have been trying to, at like things that I've been at for the last few years, I feel like people have been trying to make the murder podcast people... Um, witness or experience a murder themselves tv show or film yeah. so it's nice nice to see that somebody's actually got there <laughs> Sorry, and got one can, over the line <laughs> we can leave that out <laughs> that can be part now um so why don't you tell us what your very
0: special episode is okay so i've gone to um the great desperate housewives and i've picked the first of its what became an annual tradition it's disaster episodes um and it's the one from season three, which is called bang and it's long story short it's the hostage situ- it's a hostage situation in the supermarket that brings all of the characters all the storylines together in one big sort of set piece showdown thing and it just like it it just like it just really sticks out to me every time someone's like what your favorite ever episodes of tv i can pick out a few from the air but i always that one is always one of them it's just it just always sticks out to me
1: i was so excited by this i have to admit like this is a show where um one of those shows where i watched the first series of it yeah and it was so good and it was such a good like mystery and like who Mm. killed mary alice or like what happened yeah Why did she kill herself? And then I think started watching series two and it just wasn't hitting the ground running or hitting the mark and it had kind of lost something. Yeah. So I like stopped watching it after that, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But going back and watching this has made me... Really want to rewatch the whole <laughs> thing, um, because this episode was so bloody good. There's so much to talk about here. I think. There is. Um, what's your relationship with Desperate Housewives? Tell us. Uh, like when were you watching it and what do you like about it? Yeah, I think so I think is it two thousand I think it's two thousand and four
0: that it started, there or thereabouts. So I would have been about fourteen, fifteen. Um A child. and I remember um it. Um I remember seeing the adverts for it on Channel Four and watching it week on week. It's one of the last broadcast, long running broadcast as opposed to streaming shows that I remember watching religiously week on week for the entirety of its run, like from the beginning to the end. Obviously there was like bits in the middle where maybe I (laughs) missed a few and had to catch up, but it's, it's one of the last like long running 20 episode, 20 plus episode season shows that I remember watching like religiously. And it just really hit, a sweet spot for me and because I, when I was a teenager as well I loved I was obsessed with EastEnders I got into Hollyoaks from a really young age and this just hit that like really heightened soapy it's funny but it's also got a big mystery at the center of it and mm. it's really easily defined characters and yeah it was was just really hooky and fun and I just remember I just remember really loving it basically and um yeah this episode I I was the same I remember thinking that season two wasn't quite hitting the same and I remember actually thinking similar things about the beginning of season three but then this episode came along and I think it just gave it a real like kick up the arse, basically because it wasn't even like I don't know if this episode was marketed in the US or even in the UK with a big like, this is a big episode, you don't wanna miss it. But I remember watching it, not knowing it was gonna be a big episode because it's like episode seven of the season. It's not the it's not the premiere, it's not the finale. It's like, it's just an, an ordinary episode. And then it's like, oh my God, everything's fucking kicking off. So I remember, I just remember being really big. I remember having the episode downloaded to my, I didn't have an iPod. I had like a cheaper alternative that you could put videos on. And I remember having this episode specifically on there. Yeah, it's, it's just a show I just really remember loving as a teenager. And it just really like, even now it's a show that for all its flaws, and it does have a lot of flaws, it's in broad terms, it does encapsulate like, all my the things i love about like my favorite tv shows basically like the the, t- the mixture of tones and the yeah that that yeah it's just it's, it's just a really great example of that i think if that makes any sense
1: <laughs> it, it absolutely does it does feel like a kind of a soap on steroids in a lot of yeah, ways yeah yeah, yeah. Like yeah. So with a big budget oh yes, yes. <laughs> a much bigger budget than say eastern yeah God bless it. <laughs> um can you explain what the disaster episodes are? Because I, I, I'm i just finding out about that as a phenomenon.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, well, actually, Hollyoaks is quite similar. Before COVID, mm. every single autumn, we'd have a big, like, a big stunt where at least one character would die. Something would happen, like the school would blow up or there'd be a tornado or something. Desperate Housewives was basically the same. In season three, I think the original creator or one of the original producers or someone basically came back after stepping back in, episode, in season two. He came back in season three did this big showdown episode. And then I think they looked at that and were like, we should do this every year. And they yeah. did. And then in season four, there was a tornado. I can't remember what the se- what, what the order was, but there was at some point, there was a stampede. At some point, there was a plane crash.
1: Oh my gosh, a stampede? Yeah, what?
0: it was like a crowd. And then there was, actually, was that a disaster episode? I don't remember. After season <laughs> five, it all just starts to kind of merge into (laughs) something like that. But yeah, there was a big sort of catastrophe that would basically, it would bring in all the characters from all their different stories, intertwine them, give them something massive to deal with, maybe kill a couple of them off. And then not only would that be a big shocking edge of your seat thing to watch in the moment, but it would also open up a whole load of aftermath story for the next few episodes going forward. So it's, um, Yeah, the disaster episode phenomenon was born here. None of them were ever as good as this one. The tornado in season four was good. There's a moment where um, Lynette kind of emerges from the rubble, sees the building that her husband and kids are in flattened and basically screams and it's like, oh my God, Lynette's family. That's a good moment. But generally speaking, this this hostage situation episode is the, the original and the best, I think.
1: I was watching this and I was reminded of how much... I like Lynette, but do not care for Lynette's family. So I think I just quite like that. You won't like what happens next. Do we need any context before we go into this episode? I feel like I need some so I can ask you questions. Yeah, I'll, just,
0: I'll throw I'll throw a lot at you and then you can just, you know, so, to take what you will. So basically, um, long story, long. So all of the four main housewives have basically got their own A stories bubbling away. So Susan, who's played by Terry Hatcher, um, her long-term partner, basically her big love interest throughout the whole series is Mike, this plumber. But he's in a coma at the moment, which isn't very convenient for her. So she's getting with this guy called Ian who is like... Downton Abbey, the person. He's like,
1: (laughs) bless him, he's not good.
0: (laughs) There is one episode, either before or after this one, where his parents come in and they are like, oh, darling, we've come back to England. And he's got a butler who's like exactly how you'd imagine a butler in an American. So basically, she's got a romance with him on the go, but she's a bit tentative because Mike's in a coma. Um, going into this episode, they've arranged to go on a weekend to Paris, I think. But she doesn't know that her daughter, Julie, is hanging out with Austin, who is the nephew of Edie, who is another housewife, who is basically Susan's arch nemesis. Whereas Julie is really put together and mature. Austin is like, you know, goes around topless, sipping cans of beer, that kind of thing. So Susan doesn't currently know that those two are hanging out.
1: <laughs> the least convincing bad boy. In, yes, in... <laughs> God, not- Not (laughs) at all.
0: You could just tell, like, the gays in the casting department were like, yeah, he'll do. He looks nice. He's got
1: nice curtains, (laughs) hair,
0: he'll do. So that story's on the go. You've got Lynette, who is clashing with the mother of, basically, a a few episodes ago, her husband Tom's child from a previous relationship came back on the scene with her mum, and Lynette and the mum are not getting on at all. It's a real, like, um, she's played amazingly by the actress, but on paper, Mm. the character is, like, you've got all these wealthy privileged women and she's like the working class hussy like can't be trusted is it you know basically a stereotypical <laughs> she's, a, of unreliable. she's
1: a, a stripper right yes a, yes 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 um, Exotic that's right
0: um but she's played so well but anyway so they're really clashing and the episode before this one I think she um Nora Put the moves on Lynette's husband, Tom, so Lynette stormed around her house and was like, "You stay away from my family, or I will kill you. Do you understand um, so that's basically that 's where they 're at. Um, Gabrielle, who is even on Gory's character she 's in the process of divorcing her husband Carlos, but I think if I remember rightly in the episode before, she learned that he was about to come into loads of money, so Gabby being Gabby, thought it would be fun <laughs> if she could stall the divorce for a bit. And then when Carlos comes into all this money, she could divorce him then and get half of that. So she basically seduced him in the last episode. But I think either she doesn't know that he's onto her or the whole thing is a ruse to trick her. I can't remember which way, but anyway, basically that's happening. And then what's the other one? Oh yes, the big central mystery to this whole series, this whole season, sorry, is um, around Brie, who's sort of the, the Stepford wife, the closest any of them come to the Stepford wife archetype. She's got a new husband called Orson, but the big mystery is like who is awesome? Because we know something shady happened with his first wife. Um, we've seen flashbacks where he, she tried to leave him and then disappeared forever. So we're like, oh, what happened to her? Um and then a couple of episodes ago, the amazing Laurie Metcalf appeared in a guest role, and she is Pivotal to this episode.
1: She's so good. So, so I think good. she was
0: Emmy nominated for this episode. But she um, she appeared a couple of episodes ago. She is a good friend of Orson's disappeared first wife. And basically said to Brie, like, you need to be careful of him. He's a wife killer. He beat up his wife. Brie told her to go and do one. She didn't want to hear it. But then in the previous episode, Carolyn showed her a police report that Alma, the first wife, had filed pictures of her looking all bloodied and bruised and i think we see we see in Bree's eyes the first moment of like oh crap maybe orson actually is a bad guy so that's where they all are coming into this episode (laughs) there's the thing where it's soapy and there's so many stories it's like (laughs) uh, um so yeah it's a hard one to just dive straight into i can imagine did you manage to follow it all? okay
1: you know what i did i think i think most things i picked up quite quickly and i think that's what i'm kind of realizing is part of the beauty of this because i think for the first half um without spoiling what it's about we'll talk about that in a minute yeah. but for the first half they're very much keeping all of these plates spinning yeah and getting all of these characters into the same place at yeah, the same yeah. time and it is done so masterfully in this that it's yeah it's very impressive yeah and- yeah, yeah yeah and and just like delightful to watch mm, so <laughs> speaking of this episode can you give us a, a sort of 60 seconds oh, Christ. okay so <laughs>
0: <laughs> start the clock. um so at the very beginning we see um alma who's uh, no not alma what's her name carolyn who's laurie mecca. i just keep thinking of her as laurie mecca um mm. she we see her storming into this supermarket with a gun she confronts her husband i know you've been cheating bang 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 her husband runs into an office locks himself in carolyn just has this moment where she looks around and sees all the other shoppers like what the hell is happening so she's like okay looks like we're doing a hostage situation um, so she's like everybody get on the floor and then it's that thing where it like flashes to black and it's like one day earlier or something and we see the whole build up to that as you said we saw all the characters in all their different stories um going about their days but that day does involve a couple of them going to the supermarket or a couple of or a couple of their, their Susan's daughter for example going to the supermarket
1: mm-hmm. so then it
0: all catches up with about halfway through the episode I think it catches up with where we started which is Carolyn marching in and at this point this time when we see her marching in, we know what the context is. We know that X, Y, and Z is also in the supermarket. And in the hostage situation basically transpires, and you've got these characters on the outside world, every family group, every storyline, they've all got skin in the game somehow. Like either they know someone who's in there or one of them literally is in there. Or on Bree's case, she's the one that told Carolyn that her husband was cheating out of spite um so she's like oh crap my friends are in the middle of a hostage situation because i told Carolyn this thing so she's Mm. got that going on gabby and carlos's story ties in slightly less uh, firmly still a lot
1: of fun bless them yeah 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 (laughs) but gabby has
0: this moment where she's watching it all happen on tv because it's on the local news obviously (laughs) um and uh she's like I'm watching this Carolyn woman and I'm thinking like, I'm only a couple of steps away from being like her. So she has that moment. And then basically by the end, you've got one character has been killed off. We, we've we seen it all transpire. Carolyn uh, Caroline is basically overpowered and then shot herself. And then on the outside world, we see the other characters who have heard the gunshots, but don't know who has been shot. We see them reacting to footage and and the ones that are outside the Market. we see them seeing the characters leave and they see who's lived and who hasn't and i always cry at that bit i've seen this episode so many times i always cry (laughs) um and yeah that's where that's where we end and then the episodes after this are just Actually, I don't think. I think he said there's loads of fallout. I don't actually think there's much fallout apart from the net's arm is in a sling for a few weeks. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's basically that's. I mean, that was definitely more than sixty seconds. But that's you know the, the only slightly the actually. Was...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I say a sixty second synopsis and then have never actually timed anyone. anyone. <laughs> Just so... see, don't hang about. <laughs> Get it done. Um, so, what is it you react to at this episode? What do you like?
0: Um, I think it's the emotional stakes for everyone like it's not necessary because I love the big like omg plotbuster twist moments like there's a moment where um I mean just a sorry if you haven't seen it but the Nora character is is killed in this episode she's the one who is um Lynette's sort of love rival if you will she's the mother of Tom's child who's reappeared she's shot and I love that moment where she's shot because it's just so snappy so
1: brilliant and like so out of the yeah
0: even though there's all this rising tension and all this like who's going to get shot like the way that she is shot is just so quick so her and Lynette are having an argument over the fact that Nora basically they're just having an argument and then Lynette it comes out Lynette tells Carolyn that Nora put the moves on Tom and Carolyn's like oh why don't you say so bang and then that's it Nora's gone and like oh my my God." god um so I love that aspects of it, the big twisty turning moments. But I also just love the, I just love the emotional, like when the music's like swelling and you've got Brie watching the TV and her eyes like, obviously she's being shot from the neck up throughout the season because she's pregnant, but you can just see her like eyes like, oh my God. And the bit where they all come out the supermarket and Tom rushes over to Lynette, even though I hate Tom, I'm still like, love that bit. But it's the, it's the emotional stakes as well as the actual, it's it's, 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 both, it's both things combined, which I think is why I love it. When you see a couple of these big disaster episodes, not necessarily just the Desperate Housewives, but across TV, generally where you have big disasters, it's like, oh God, that's exciting in the moment, but it's not necessarily like, doesn't necessarily pack an emotional punch as well, even if characters do get killed off. Um, But in this one, I don't know. I really, I just really felt it emotionally.
1: <laughs> I, no, I absolutely agree. Cause I mean, I haven't, obviously haven't seen the series since series one, but yeah, yeah there is actual emotional stakes here. And they do this very interesting thing where I think they're balancing the very particular sort of peculiar tone of Desperate Housewives with these are real people. And then, I mean, I I was watching it and I was like, somebody has to get shot in this. But like, I I don't know if I actually thought they would go there. And then they do. And it's like, oh my gosh, that is earned. And also, I totally didn't see it coming. It's so clever. Um, The bit that I really reacted to while I was watching it is that the whole thing of Brie sort of having people over at her house yeah. and basically, basically doing a viewing party. <laughs> it's <so laughs> weird. This
0: is that moment where the two old ladies, and like, I think Ida and, um, oh my God, what's Catherine Dewson's character's name? Mrs. McCluskey. They go around. Um, they're like, have you seen what's on the news? And she's like, yes, come in. And they're like, I told you she'd have food. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's so, like, only Desperate Housewives could really get away with that. Because <laughs> it's just yes. so camp. And there's loads of like funny moments in it, I think. like Even like Carolyn... Um, Laurie Metcalf to give her her canon name like, um, when she's like um, eating cookies and she's like, "See, you're making me making me go off my diet." Like she's just she's <laughs> she's funny when she's like gun-toting. So yeah, it's very yeah. The viewing party is comedy. Oh, it's
1: absolutely perfect. Um, Brie is my favourite, obviously, of the housewives. I have yeah. to say, is there anything else that you you really like in this? Are there any scenes that stand out for you?
0: I don't know, actually. Uh, this. Interestingly, I feel like this show constantly tries to push Susan
1: to the front.
0: Um, And every time I go back and rewatch this for Housewives, I like her even less. But what I like about it is that she, if you would like, I would guess that she would be in the heart of this in this situation like somehow she'd find a way to clutch herself into the heart of the action and she is in the heart of the action kind of because her daughter's in there but i quite like that susan isn't front and center in this episode so basically all all of the characters i think have big standout moments in this but I, i do quite like that susan isn't like stealing the show i guess i mean this whole yes. season she's kind of just floating around a bit and in the previous season i don't know if you remember from season two i don't know if you got this far but i think they get a good like seven million episode arc out of her having a ruptured spleen or a slip disc or something <laughs> it's like slipping it. but specific moments i love gabrielle you can always just count on even on to deliver a punchline and she does a couple of times there's a bit where in the first half of the episode where they're in that um alimony or whatever it's called divorce settlement meeting um and she goes um, gabrielle do you have anything do you want to say and she's like I do have a few thoughts, and it just cuts to her being dragged away, kicking and screaming. I just like that. <laughs> and she's got she's got lovely hair this season as well. Lovely shade. Her
1: hair is. She this season. does have great. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that. I I really love that scene with Gabrielle and Carlos when they're in the house. So she's getting the house, and he's getting everything. Yeah, in it. yeah, yeah. So she just starts smashing everything up. Yeah, great. And then he's knocking through the walls with a (laughs) hammer. And it's just like, it's good, stupid soapy way of doing what could be quite a boring argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boring Just life. smash
0: everything up. And then when Mrs. McClusser comes and knocks on the door, she's like, turn your TV on. She's like, it's kind of on the fritz at the moment. We got here a few minutes ago. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. That character, I think, has the biggest development over the course of the whole season. Not season, the whole series, I think. And she's really good in it, I think, even on she's.
1: I feel like she's got the most room to grow as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of them, I think they go into series one with all of this big stuff yeah, happening yeah, yeah. to them. And then she's probably got the most room to have stuff happen at her. Is there anything you don't like in this episode? No individual
0: moment sticks out, really. I guess you just got the whole, as I said, as, as we mentioned at the beginning, of this point, just a problem that Desperate Housewives has throughout, and a lot of shows in this era have throughout, is they are very, like, white cast-wise, like mm. everyone, like, but, you know, they've got sort of that one Latina household and just think like, well, that's it. We've done our service to minority population as a whole. Um
1: Am I remembering right that they, in, in the second series, there's a black family?
0: Yes. Alfred <laughs> Woodard is the main child. is just amazing casting. It's just a shame they... <laughs> You should Just go a away. Bad character. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her whole thing. Yeah, she just they, she moves away at the end of season two, which is a, which is a real shame because obviously she is such a great actress. But her character, I don't know, she got lumbered with quite a dry mystery that didn't really let her do much. <laughs> um, that that yeah, that whole mystery was its portrayal of mental health and its portrayal of various different aspects. I don't think would stand up too well today it's not the mm. it's not you know there's <laughs> this isn't a justification but there's there's worse um, <laughs> but um but just, just in general i feel like they, that was that was a wasted bit of that was a waste opportunity they had having her in the cast i think because she's so good
1: i um. is this a show i i don't i feel like i don't sort of keep track of it enough but is this a show that people talk about reviving or rebooting or um
0: I think it has a mention like every time one of them is on a chat show it gets mentioned um mm. I know none of them talk to Terry Hatcher <laughs> um, oh, wow. and I know Nicolette Sheridan obviously ended on quite left on quite bad terms with I don't know about the rest of the cast specifically but I know she left on quite bad terms with mark cherry the creator she's edie right yeah oh actually no she did get killed off in season five so even if they did bring it back that's (laughs) that's that's, that's Mary Alice. (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah i feel like they do but i don't know if i don't i can't remember if any of them really have i think they're all a bit like well if the stories are good enough but i don't know if felicity huffman is really in a place right now where she can be like here's my new glossy project um so i don't know it did it, it, I, I did watch it until the end. I didn't ever sort of zoom out and uh, sort of switch off completely, but it wasn't, the, the last few seasons weren't, weren't great. <laughs> so I don't know if it came back, it would have to be, have to been given a real, like, you know, real kick up the backside, I think.
1: I think we probably need to talk about all the stuff that happens at the end. Uh, um, that's a good, because <laughs> um, I think that thing, so I'd, I, going into this, I didn't know much about it. And I was kind of reading about the episode And saw that Felicity Huffman um, put herself forward for an Emmy for this episode. Oh, yeah. I don't don't think she won. Um, She won the Emmy for the pilot, but not for this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, And I was kind of like, when I was watching it, I was kind of like, why? Like, surely it would be um, Laurie Metcalf. Um, I was like, surely it would be her that would get the Emmy for this. But then all of that stuff at the end with... Lynette's whole everybody has pain sort of. We all have (laughs) pain. (laughs) I mean, truly two women screaming at each other is my favourite kind of TV. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Great.
0: Um, Yeah, I think, yeah, I I remember reading that she submitted this episode. I think um, Laurie Metcalf was nominated for guest... In the guest actress uh, in a comedy yes. series for this episode, I don't think she won. I don't think she won, but yeah, yeah. I think um, I'm just on the I'm just on this episode's Wikipedia page now. <laughs> um, Matt Roth also chose this episode for consideration. Who's Matt Roth? He went for guest actor. Um, oh, he's the new neighbor who they briefly approach,
1: yeah, he's and he's in the supermarket. Like um, he or
0: becomes in spoiler alert in the next couple of episodes. He is a suspected paedophile so I don't know why he didn't oh. pick one of those episodes. um but Brenda Strong also submitted this episode for consideration um for outstanding voiceover I mean her voiceover is a pretty god lover they're pretty much the same in any episode <laughs> you could
1: just... what do you make of all the Mary Alice stuff like the like because Lynette is dreaming about Mary Alice yeah she sort of pops up as a maybe a ghost in the hospital yeah the I end. can't
0: remember if This is, I definitely remember reading, this is her only, because Mary Alice does appear in flashback form every now and again. Mm. Obviously, she does appear in series one quite heavily in flashbacks, but from then on, she's only in it sporadically. I think this is her only in-person appearance this season, but I can't remember if there's any particular reason leading into this episode or even going out of this episode why she's there. (laughs) I don't know if it's just like a just uh just because this is a special episode i don't know if there's if that's why she's she's there but i do love in the dream sequence that lynette is just talking like a little bit lower like let me help you like, like a <laughs> dream voice i just love that for her oh, um so good but yeah i don't i don't know why it's
1: there but it but it is <laughs> and it's like the,
0: you couldn't have helped me go and
1: enjoy your life or whatever she
0: says um yeah
1: I'm quite impressed that they kept her around for the whole because she's there. Yeah, the Mary Alice voiceovers are there until the last episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's a very impressive feat of television. Yeah, it is, isn't
0: it? And it's like Um, there's not really like much, not much reason for her to be. I mean, if it's going to be anyone, it
1: may as well be her. But I guess at the end of the first season, they were like, well. Who else are we going to have? (laughs) We've got a narrator now. Um, Um, Is there anything that you, anything we haven't mentioned about the episode that you want to talk about? Is there, are there any sort of themes that resonate with you? What makes this a a special episode for you?
0: um, I think just as as, as I said, I I love these episodes where there are these big stunt moments and big set piece moments. I love it. I love a good one of these where it just brings loads of stories together in like quite a, clever like obviously you re-watch it and you're like ah, oh, I see what you did there but like it does it feels quite clever and it feels quite um good the way they're doing it and then not only that but it's yeah it brings those stories together it gives you the big omg moment and then has great like story consequences going forward and that's what I love about that for example sitting in the story conference rooms at Hollywood, for example when they're planning their stunt episodes and like okay who are we killing off because that would be great but also <laughs> who are we killing off that will enable X character to have this story as a result of that. Like, what story can that kick off? Like, I love, I don't know, I just, I, 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 I love this episode as a, as a good example of that. Just like a mm-hmm. big, dramatic stunt episode that, like, brings those characters together, sticks them in a blender, and then is like, okay, and now off we go into the <laughs> into the rest of the season. I think, yeah. And also, it's just, it's dramatic, and it's funny, and it's got Laurie Metcalf wearing white trousers and a pearl necklace, and it's just, <laughs> it just, it just tick. What box doesn't it tick, Michael? What exactly. box doesn't it tick?
1: It's great. <laughs> um, have you gotten to write any of the big Hollyoaks stunt episodes? Um, I
0: haven't yet. No, no, no. Well, mm. the last couple of years there sadly haven't been any because, yes. of, because of our dear friend um, Rona. But no, no, no. I, um, I have got to, I got to write last year on, um, so basically two years ago, we did a new year flash forward not knowing there was going to be a pandemic happening that year um which was basically like little flashes of characters one year from then so flashes forward to the new year episode the next year and then basically we thought okay great now we've got a year to tie basically to to bring all the stories to the point that we saw them in the flash forwards there was like a body bag who's in the body bag we saw these two characters kissing okay how are we getting there we saw a mum opening their child's bag and there was loads of like ill-gotten money in there and she's like what have you done so basically like, all these markers that we'd have to hit by next new year and I got to write one of the episodes that was that was next new year and that was quite fun because I just felt like quite a big culmination of it, it. basically new year's eve was split across four episodes so I, I, I wrote I had the first one of those so it wasn't necessarily the big culmination but it was still really like exciting to like write on something that felt like it was an event like, like an event episode you know what I mean it just it feels quite Fun. I don't know. just, yeah, the, just yeah. the desperate housewives fan in me. It's like, oh my god, is this is so drag.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think you can almost see some of that in like. I think Holly oaks is the most gonzo of all the soaps. <laughs> I think a lot <laughs> of people don't realise it. It does like, like yeah. Like, to be able to to do a flash forward a whole year episode is, and that's not even the first time that's happened. On no, no, no,
0: no. Like, it does play about it. with like, I guess form. What you expect from a soap, it does play around with that a bit more, I guess, than the other three do. I think EastEnders actually recently started, I don't know, I haven't watched it in a little while, but I watched it a little while back and it had started using, um, what's the word? Is it non-diegetic? Like music, like music oh, over Oh, interesting. Um, which is something that we, like, you know, that is, is you know, so I think, I think other shows are starting to play around a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, I did love EastEnders. Did you see, um, about 18 months ago, they did a week on board it was i think it was the 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary maybe it it was an anniversary and um they did a the, the a week's worth of episodes, and each episode was the same night from a different character's perspective. And I love, love stuff like that. Um, like that. Just sucker for that. I was watching it in the hotel room, I think, and I was like, <gasps> um, "Not even being a religious <laughs> EastEnders viewer, I was like, I'm in." So just basically any soapy event,
1: I'm there. <laughs> I'm so there. The one I always go back to, and this is going back about ten years now, is the it was like the fiftieth anniversary of Corrie, where they did the big tram crash. Oh, yes, and like Rita was stuck under in the cabin for a week or yeah. something, and it was for a just week. like this. <laughs> see things like that, yeah. just like Ken Barlow running up the street. It was a bit sort of great, you know the the Avengers End Game of Coronation Street.
0: I don't remember watching all of that. I remember seeing little flashes. I remember, yeah, when I was a TV journalist full time, it was when um, Emma Dale did a big week where it did a big motorway pile up, and they used like special expensive cameras for it, and like mm. special stunts, and it was like an episode of Happy Valley. It was so like. Great. Gritty. And I was like, oh my God. Um, so, yeah, I will always, <laughs> even if I'm not watching one of the soaps, I will always make time for a big
1: event. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. No, thank um, you. Where can people find you on the internet? Find um, me. Yeah, um, I keep saying, where can people find you? Like, like, <laughs> sort of, like just wandering you. around on the street. <laughs> um, well,
0: I, well, social handle wise, um, Twitter, just Sean Kitchener. That's S H A U um, N. Um, not the, I believe, the correct spelling, which is a C-A, or that one. Um, and then Instagram, Sean Kitchener, Bentley. I've adopted the married name on Instagram, you see. Oh, um, but God. if I do it on Twitter, I lose my tick. So I just, I, I don't, I, don't I, I can't bring myself to take that step. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean I mean, there's,
1: mar- there's commitment. It's not that I mean, it's not you know. that bad. I mean, <laughs> um, um, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been no, great. And I am very excited to go and watch some more Desperate Housewives. Yeah, I do. Just start from the beginning of season three. It's fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> Catch <on>. up. <laughs> and there we go. Uh, thanks again so much to Sean Kitchener for coming on and being a guest. Um I did actually go back and watch a bit more of Desperate Housewives after after watching Bang. And it kind of kept I I guess I kept going from where I was. Uh and and kind of got close to the end of series three and I'm going to pick it back up again it's very 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 watchable as I'm sure you can imagine although also very of its time and also hot nonsense in the best possible way my very special guest next week is going to be Morgan M. Page the writer and trans historian Uh, really exciting chat planned all about episode eight of season six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer which is called Tabula Rasa really really good chat uh, something to look forward to. I was able to watch that. I was able to watch it at the time on Amazon, which is where I usually do my Buffy rewatches, Amazon Prime. But the the Buffy is in the process of leaving Amazon Prime and is now over on Disney Plus here in the UK uh, and and often pops pops in and out of Channel 4, so you can find uh sometimes find episodes of Buffy on all four. If you want to watch along with us, obviously it'll be a a spoilerific chat, and and the chat that I had with Morgan does go into spoilers for for season six of Buffy, and and kind of. Some of the stuff that leads up to that as well. So, um, I guess it's maybe one for the Buffy fans in the audience, which I'm sure there will be a lot of you. I, again, if you want to find me online, I'm at HRF Michael on Twitter and on Instagram. So, come and say hello and tell us what you thought of the episode. It'd be really, really useful if you could like and subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and in the meantime, don't touch that dial. I will see you next week. Bye. Watching television